And like I said, we found that all of the claims against him were false. Now, Gordon Wasson was the guy who launched all of these claims against Wasson or against Allegro, uh, beginning primarily in the uh, Times Literary Supplement of London. And uh, so, essentially, what happened though is, as it turns out, we, you know, the. Well, Wasson supposedly discovered magic mushrooms in Hualtla de Jimenez in uh, Oaxaca, Mexico, and published about it in Life magazine in 1953, which we've just recently exposed in a uh, new article that we just published two weeks ago called Manufacturing the Deadhead that shows, you know, that this was all an orchestrated event and uh, Wasson was, in fact, working with the CIA, etc., so here is, you know, Wasson, this guy, he's working with the CIA. He's the vice president of propaganda for J.P. Morgan Bank. And then he turns and he launches this major uh, media attack against John Allegro's scholarship in the press. And essentially what we've since figured out is that uh, Wasson, working with the CIA and uh, J.P. Morgan, they were trying to keep attention away from uh, Western Judeo-Christian uh, Arabic religions, Islamic religions, and trying to keep things focused on neo-shamanism and on Eastern religions and sort of this this meme to create a return of the old. So, uh, you know, going through all of this in my, uh, all of these citations, what I did was in 2008, I published a book called The Holy Mushroom that basically broke down line by line all of these attacks and show with all of the primary citations right there where everyone can follow along and just show how it was all false, how Wasson created and faked all of these attacks. In that book, we also published the first uh, medieval uh, primary citation called The Epistle to the Renegade Bishops which actually specifically discusses the quote-unquote holy mushroom. And that was found, uh, that's from the uh, Zerponimal Monastery on the Manathos Peninsula in Greece. And uh, we've also since found a uh, reference to the red, fun- red fungus in the Book of Zohar for the Kabbalah. And uh, there's the Muslim Mishkat that talks about a mushroom that will bring sight, etc. So we have all of these different references to the mushrooms and everything. And then, like I said, originally John Allegro published just one image, the Plankoro fresco image from France. And, uh, you know, when the day before I published my book, Professor John Rush published his book, uh, Fake uh, False Gods or whatever it's called. And then uh, in there, he also published uh, a a lot more images in my book that was published the next day. I published 41 images. And then last year, again, John Rush pub, uh, published another book with about another 200 images. And then just a few months ago, we had a, uh, a uh, <clears throat> European mycologist, ethnomycologist, Garrett Kaiser, publish yet a third book on all of this, revealing uh, more mushrooms that this mycologist has found throughout the uh, cathedrals in, in Europe and his studies there. And one of the very interesting things about Gordon Wasner, that one of the things that stands out for me, and instantly when I kind of read the accounts of his so-called discovery of magic mushrooms, is it almost reads like a fairy tale. There's flowery language oh, involved. Sure. And I mean, when you then have uncovered through your research, research the fact that this guy, he's, I mean, both chairman for the Council on Foreign Relations, vice president of public relations for J.P. Morgan Bank, CIA written all over the guy, Alarm bells are ringing straight off the bat. However, this sure. guy seems to have gone on the historical record and been <laughs> accepted as some kind of authority here. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I guess that uh, gives you uh, that's a clear statement of uh, the competence of most of the scholars out there for the last 55 years, isn't it? Now, uh, what we did, you know, basically uh, the Harvard University stores the Wasson archives there at the Herbaria. And they have everything pretty much locked up. And I knew that they would lock me out. They've pretty much since Andy Letcher from the UK published his book Shroom in 2007, they've pretty much kept most other researchers out of there uh, because uh, Letcher started exposing a few things, even though he had a number of distortions in there. And, um, you know, so what we did was ahead of time. Uh, before I even went to the Harvard University asking permission to view the archives, which is absurd. No other university or archive anywhere makes you ask to see this stuff. You just send the librarian an email, and she either sends you the documents or sends you a bill with the documents, you know. Right. <clears throat> and so Harvard is the, the first university. Even the CIA sent me documents and were easier, to, in many cases, to get documents out of than, than Harvard was on Wasson. So what we did, or what I did, was I began to reverse engineer Wasson's work and the archives that were stored there. Every side of a conversation has two sides. So obviously Harvard's archive would only have Wasson's side of a conversation. So then it was just a matter of going to other universities and finding the other sides of these conversations, such as we went to Dartmouth and uh, Princeton, Yale, uh, Columbia. Uh, you know, we got more documents out of the... U.S. Library of Congress, UC Santa Barbara, the Hoover Institute up at Stanford University, etc. And so we were able to amass about a thousand pages of documents that were outside of Harvard, outside of the official MKUltra record documents that nobody else had. And it's funny because, you know, I have all of the MKUltra documents and one uh, quote unquote uh, British scholar last year by the name of Simon Powell. He actually did a uh, 25 minute public radio screed against my work that he admitted that he had never read, and it was all based on his uh, religious appeals to emotion and stuff, and completely ignoring any evidence that was published about Wasson or the documents or anything. And he attacks me. He says, Oh, well, John Marks published this, you know, his Manchurian candidate book in the 70s and if he didn't find anything there couldn't be anything out there this is the you know the sort of uh, mentality that people use to argue their points you know it's just because one you know and and, and by the way the mk ultra documents that were released were equivalent of like 17,000 pages half of it is redacted so you're you're going through trying to figure out who's who and all of this stuff mm. and he thinks just because one guy didn't find a reference in 15,000 documents that it's not there Yet I have the same documents, and Wasson was a part of MKUltra Subproject 58. So, sorry, folks. I mean, the documents speak for themselves as, as much as these people want to make up lies and deny the fact and go on their beliefs rather than, you know, what the primary documents say. And so, um, you know, Wasson, he's just been uh, sort of this, this clown that uh, has been worshipped by the entire ethnomycology and psychedelic field, you know, for so supposedly discovering magic mushrooms, never mind that they were already published about before then by a number of people. Uh, John G. Bork, uh, uh, Yuri Lloyd published uh, in the late 1800s about his experiences. There's a few others that did. But here's Wasson supposedly claiming to be the so-called discoverer. And then, of course, he's got to do this media blitz in Life magazine and in the and in the uh, 12 uh, to 12 million newspaper subscribers that same week in 19 May, May 1957. And so uh, it, it's clear that it was a, uh, <clears throat> a concerted, focused effort 
to blitz the entire American population and get everyone under their control. And unfortunately, John Allegro's research exposed a direction uh, towards Judeo-Christianity that they didn't want to go. So it was of utmost importance that they launched a full attack on Allegro, destroy his credibility. And I even had two scholars tell me that Wasson admitted to them that he had actually never even read Allegro's book before he launched his public attacks. Incredible. So basically you have somebody operating off the fallacy that uh, they have a theory or an agenda and basically they will ignore facts if they don't fit with that agenda or they will, in some cases, make them up to fit. And these are the guys with the public forum then who are debasing the work of somebody like John Allegro. Sure. uh, And on top of that, let me just interject there. On top of that, in the whole new age psychedelic field, you have all of this nonsense constantly being pushed the truth is arbitrary that there is no truth that you might as well not look for truth that you might as well just sit there and and pillow sit and be positive and you know and never mind uh, whoever's agenda that plays right into you know but uh, this is the sort of uh, mentality that's constantly pushed and I had a couple of years ago on my show uh, at gnosticmedia.com I interviewed David Harriman who's the author of The Logical Leap and he did a six-hour excellent uh, lecture series called The Philosophic Corruption of Physics, which exposes the quantum physics is a total fraud itself. And so when you, when you go through all of his research and actually study it, and again, folks, before you send me an attack and hate emails, study the 10 hours of references I just gave you before you send me one message. His name is David Harriman. Thank you. So uh, every single time I do a radio interview and I bring this issue up, I'll get dozens of attacks from people who won't even bother to go listen to what he has to say because they're so caught up in the religion of quantum physics and, yeah. oh, well, you know, you can't have any truth. You can't have self-esteem and know anything. One plus one isn't two and, and this, sort of saying, this sort of thing. So this is all a part of this new age dumbing down agenda that's constantly being sold by guys like Wass and Aldous Huxley, Julian Huxley. Of course, Julian Huxley was the head of the British Eugenics Society and UNESCO and and his brother uh, Aldous started the uh, Esalen Institute, where all of uh, all of these memes are being sold out of to facilitate uh, what we've discovered is actually a new a neo feudalism or a new dark age that these sons of bitches are actually selling. And so this was all covered in the uh, new manufacturing the Deadhead article. But it was John Allegro's research and going through and checking all of his work and um, pulling those up and doing a comparison to the primary documents and we found that all of his all of his citations in this area checked out whereas all of the attacks against him were once we looked up these citations were clearly lies and the i suppose the evidence that you have come up with has you mentioned there uh, a new dark age so if we go right back in time a little bit and we look at the dark ages and how there is compelling evidence to show that the dark ages were actually manufactured and christianity sure. then used as a method to i suppose dumb down the people or keep them in exactly. a, a feudal system of serfdom or slavery or whatever people want to call it and the the, the work that you're doing Jan is basically tying that dark age to a replacement religion, that being the CIA's use of drugs or the psychedelic movement to control people or keep them, as, as Aldous, Hux, Aldous Huxley, as you mentioned, as he said in, I think it was Brave New World, how drugs would become some kind of humane alternative to flogging for rulers that sure. people would actually well, yeah, yeah. want themselves and, and enjoy. Yeah. 
And we should point out that uh, as far as all of the evidence shows, Aldous Huxley was the key guy behind MKUltra. I know there's all of this fluffy nonsense out there that he was supposedly warning about this stuff, but you got to realize, folks, he was a Fabian socialist, which is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And these guys, we find in all of their literature all over the place, they'll be sitting there warning people about what they and their friends and their own family are doing. So, you know... <laughs> Aldous Huxley should never be treated. He is a eugenicist. He and his brother created the eugenics, the humanism, and the transhumanism. Their grandfather, Sir Thomas Henry Huxley, was the propaganda manager for Darwin, and he was known as Darwin's Bulldog. And the Huxley and Darwin and Galden families have been intermarried for centuries. So, you know, the Darwin and Huxley agenda is one single agenda throughout throughout the uh the years throughout the centuries. Um, now, what was your point again? I'm sorry. Well, basically, what I was saying is that uh, we're seeing a mirror image of what happened in the Dark Ages with. No, religion. sure, sure. So, yeah. So, you know, this uh, this whole Dark Age issue is being promoted. You know, and and we can see it in references like uh, uh, Piero Camporesi. Uh, he's an Italian prof professor in his book Bread of Dreams. He mm -hmm. talks about. Uh, Aragot being used back then, we can see it being used all the way back at the, you know, at the uh, Eleusinian mysteries in ancient Greece. And what does the word mystery mean? You know, if we if we look up the word mix, mystery in uh, such as uh, the uh, Oxford English Dictionary, and here let me just do that right now. So, the the word mystery means. Um, well, it, here it says uh, service occupation, something helpful, handicraft, okay? But now let's go over to the word mystify. Mm. And so when we get into the word mystify, another root, word of the, of the, another root of the same word, we discover that mystify means to bewilder or perplex intentionally, to play on the credulity of, to hoax, uh, to bewilder, to cause perplexity. So then we can understand that... When they, when they tell us that these are the Eleusinian mysteries, these are <laughs> things to essentially dumb down and bewilder the people who are involved in them. And the Eleusinian mysteries was a, basically an ancient psychedelic ritual that all of Greece took part in once in uh, everybody's lifetime. And uh, what happened was they were entirely controlled by two families. And so these two families, they're sitting there, you know, for 2,000 years they have control over this whole government state-sanctioned state thing. And so Wasson and these guys, uh, Carl Ruck, Albert Hoffman, they're trying to sell this as it was like just spontaneous spirituality and the public wanted to keep it secret. Never mind the, the story of uh, Socrates. He was supposedly murdered for, for uh, revealing the secrets of uh, the Kaikion, which was the secret uh, drug at Ulysses that they think was an early form of LSD. And by the way, we also published... Uh, <clears throat> evidence in uh, the article that Albert Hoffman did not actually invent LSD. Uh, we know that LSD was known about at least 10 years uh, before Hoffman from 1933, and there will be a new article coming out from uh, the British scholar uh, Alan Piper in Time and Mind next month that everyone can check out for more on that. You know, so uh, this whole selling of the Dark Age uh, back then and now you know, as uh, Terrence McKenna even talks about in his books, you know, the, the 2012 meme that he and these, you know, CIA agents like uh, Professor Michael Coe from Yale and uh, 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 Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, who was a Jesuit priest, these guys created this thing. But McKenna even admits that, you know, this whole thing that he's selling fits best 
with uh, the Renaissance and the Dark Age then, you know, it, it explains it. So um, what I did, and, and to your point exactly, is I, for my co-author on the, on the article Manufacturing the Deadhead, I teamed up with scholar Joe Atwill, who is the author of Caesar's Messiah, The Roman Conspiracy to Invent Jesus. And that's exactly what he argues, is that Christianity, not only to be, you know, uh, to help protect the uh, Gentiles of Europe against the uh, Zionist uh, influence coming out of the Middle East, but, uh, you know, he shows that the, the oligarchs of Europe also created Christianity to enslave the masses and to bring about a dark age. So, you know, we see this theme of the dark age. In fact, I was watching a film on uh, on uh, the Danish, I think, or it could have been the Dutch, yeah, I think it was the Danish uh, last week, and it was talking about how uh, this uh, before this one king, uh, they had been pushed back into a dark age and brought forward and pushed back, you know. So the elites would constantly move their cultures forward and back into modernity and push them back into a, a state of total, um, oh, like uh, religious, you know, subversion and superstition where, you know, the, where the priests and the, the crazies had control of everything. And then it would go the opposite ext- extreme rather than, you know, a, a balance. So anyway, there's to your point. Okay, and central to the whole story and the big lie, as I would like to call it, and perhaps you'll agree with me on that, is Life magazine. Of course, that magazine that's held in such high esteem throughout the the decades (laughs) around the world, you know. (laughs) And I mean, Life magazine, as you mentioned, were the ones who initially pushed the story behind Gordon Wasson. Sure. Allied with that, we've Life magazine on one side, so you've people reading about this. You also have a counterculture that's springing up, particularly in the 1960s in the U.S. Well, around, they're creating around the, the counterculture scene. out of Life magazine, etc. Well, there you go, exactly, and, and, and it manifests. And, and the counterculture itself. thinks that they're original and all of this. Meanwhile, it's Life magazine and the whole music as sub counterculture being pushed forward by Edward Bernays, who is actually creating the whole thing. So. You know, the the whole deadhead look and everything, that isn't something that, uh, you, you know, was individualistic. That was something that was literally created by Vito Palakis and Edward Bernays. Mm-hmm. And then LSD is central, of course, to that. You've Woodstock, you've the music scene. And one interesting sure. point that, um, that, that you've sprung on a number of times has been the fact that so many artists that were coming out of the U.S. in the 1960s were actually the sons and daughters of CIA agents or intelligence agents are these very sure. people well, and, who have an agenda. Uh, you know, not just uh, CIA, but uh, MI6 as well, such as the Beatles. And in fact, uh, you know, John Lennon was getting a little too close, and that's why they whacked him is, uh, uh, just a couple of months before he uh, was assassinated. He said he went public and said that he was no longer going to be a carpenter or essentially a mason working on their little covert operations and stuff. And then he he starts going out revealing that population control was a hoax and that he knew that LSD was a CIA op, et cetera, and then he's dead. And uh, the doorman there is highly suspicious, worked with the CIA that was right there. And then you have the other guy that was found with the, oh, To Kill a Mockingbird book or whatever it was. And, you know, so uh, Abram, I think, is what his name was. So, you know, these are all these little tie-ins. But it was actually Dave McGowan who had had done the original research on that. And I tried to get him on my show, but uh, I guess he was afraid to come on or something or he's afraid to talk about Zionism or, or whatever the heck. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, you know, he was uh, scheduled to come on, and last second he didn't show up. But he's actually the one who did all the original groundwork on that. On, uh, you know, if you uh, Google Dave McGowan and Laurel Canyon, Mm -hmm. L-A-U-R-E-L, Laurel Canyon, uh, 
uh, you'll you'll pull up his research there, and he's got about eighteen or twenty pages or different episodes that he's done on this whole subject, revealing all of this. Like for instance, uh, Jim Morrison was the son of Admiral Morrison, who started the Gulf of War or the Gulf of Tonkin incident to get us into the into the Vietnam War. Um, we've got. Uh, you know, like uh, Frank Zappa, who was raised at uh, the Edgewood, Maryland compound, which was one of the uh, facilities that they collected uh, mind-altering chemicals at, uh, you know, where uh, Dr. Andrea Puderich, who was one of the leading leading uh, MKUltra researchers and did the Council of Nine out of the Esalen Institute, that's where he was located from. So, um, you know, uh, there's a number of these and the mamas and the papas and the birds and uh, Jimi Hendrix and there's dozens and dozens of others. You know, uh, another good one is uh, like uh, Stuart Copeland and, uh, you know, Sting and these guys. I mean, Stuart Copeland, Sting, you know, Sting is still out there doing Daniel Pinchbeck's, uh, you know, promoting his 2012 nonsense. And, you know, right there, there's Sting and then <laughs> Daniel Pinchback in that same 2012 film has on CIA agent Michael Coe in that video, but never mentions that Coe was CIA and never mentions that Coe created that whole stupid thing in the first place. But, um, you know, so Miles Copeland, Steve Copeland's father, and Steve Copeland was the drummer of the band The Police. Yeah. Miles Copeland created the OSS and was a co-founder of the CIA. Now, Ian Copeland, Stewart's brother, Ian Copeland founded uh, IRS Talent, uh, IRS Records. The, obviously, he promoted the band The Police and FBI Talent Agency, all centering on these uh, government uh, subjects here, right? So, you know, they're they're promoting all of this stuff. You know, they're all working with the CIA and all of this stuff. And then we have we have Sting out there promoting this uh, 2012 nonsense that these guys created, trying to dumb down the masses and drive people towards this. This neo feudalism, um, you know, idea, and you know, but one thing I should point out is that one thing the people constantly bring up is they actually think that the, you know, they, they they've been so propagandized to not fact check and not look things up that they actually believe that all of this was just blowback and that the CIA agents and MI six etc. They're just willful dupes. They're just dum dums. They don't know any better. But when you actually get in and you read the documents and you look at what was going on. It's clear that it was orchestrated, and when we put our religious beliefs aside and, and what we wish actually happened, and we just look at the evidence itself, sorry, folks, the evidence doesn't uh, uphold the uh, willful idiot blowback theory. Well, I think it's just too complicated and too skillfully executed because people have been buying it now for, well, I was going to say for decades, for hundreds of years, let's face it, in various different ways. Well, you know, for, well, for, for decades, for sure, you know, since the early... 60s, late 50s, but, um, you know, it's, you have, you got to, you know, people need to realize that they have Fabians like um, Aldous Huxley right there warning everybody it's going on while he's actually the one doing it, he and his brother and his family, etc. He doesn't say, look at me and my brother and my family if you really want to figure out who's doing it. He just says, somebody out there is doing it. Let's see if you're smart enough to find them, you know. And so, uh, you know, it's uh, kind of always this tongue and, and cheek sort of thing, and you know, it's the same thing with Eisenhower, Wass, and all of these guys. They all sort of warn about something maybe going on. You know, look over there, folks. But mm. meanwhile, it's always them. And all of these guys work together. You know, Wass and Aldous Huxley, Alan Dulles, who is the DCI, the head of the CIA, and uh, several of these other guys, they're all Eisenhower. They're all working together 
at the CIA's Century Club, which was a, you know, it's an art club front that the CIA used to do all of this stuff. And, you know, we have other guys besides Wasson and Huxley, et cetera. Other psychedelic researchers like B.F. Friedman were out of there, et cetera. So, you know, this this whole neo-feudalist dumbing down agenda is coming out of there. And then you have basically Edward Bernays. Walter Lippmann was also uh, over there, another propagandist. But, yeah. you know, these guys all center around this club. And then even uh, yesterday, Joe Atwill, and we're holding on to this new quote for uh, uh, another project that we're working on. But he just discovered some major amazing quotes yesterday from uh, Greg- Gregory Bates and admitting that uh, the native revolution was how the Russians and everybody controlled the rest of the population. And you know, he, he gives a Russian example, but it's clear that this is exactly what they were doing in the West as well. Trying to, you know, you spiritualize the population, get them entertained with the Indian arts. Over in Russia, it was the Siberian arts, etc. Mm. And uh, this this neo-shamanic uh, spirituality is a sort of whitewashed spirituality that removes the dark shamanism and keeps everybody off balance. And then this is what they, they then sell into the public to help control the rest of the people. And then they sell on top of it that there is no truth. You know, might as well not look over there, folks. And do you think, Jan, that the reason this was so aggressively pushed at the time period that it was and has continued to be ever since was because the the old control system or feudal control system, that being Christianity, was on the wane. And do you think they needed to manufacture well, something that did you know, the same Well, you got to realize how much a, a play Zionism has in all of this stuff. I mean, Zionism and has been trying to fracture and break Christianity and, you know, destroy the Roman church, etc., for 2,000 years. And interestingly, not not all, but a very many, way too many, considering the number of the population, but... Uh, going and researching the background of the MK Ultra doctors, we found about maybe 70% of them had a Jewish background. And so looking through their these backgrounds, we can see that they're using the religion, that they're signing, and that, and that this is how they're, they're hiding and orchestrating these agendas and things. So it's quite ancient what they're doing and some of the, the attempts that they're you know trying to use to sexualize and dumb down and, and manipulate the population through subterfuge wording, just like the Talmud says. And so once we get that this is part of the agenda here and the New World Order and how it ties into Zionism and all of this stuff, then we can really begin to see the, the full agenda clearly. Of course, there are going to be people who will be shouting at their radios now and they'll be thinking to themselves, well, I've used psychedelic drugs and all they've been is positive for me. They've, they've sure. opened my mind and they've been a gateway to positivity and creativity and stuff like that. And for, for a lot of people, I would imagine, they just can't comprehend that this could be sure. something untoward or it sure. could be a, a plot, so to speak. What would you say to them? Well, you know, and that's uh, just it. I've, I've taken psychedelics w- well over a thousand times, folks. I've got plenty of experience. I came in from one side using them ignorantly, having a so-called spiritual experience, you know, practicing them, seeing what was there and coming out the other side and seeing how they can be used for control. Now, that's not to say that there isn't the potential for some type of spiritual experience or, or learning there, whatever it is, if it's biological or spiritual or whatever, we're not sure. But when we get into the study of the trivium and the quadrivium, the quadrivium itself, when we get into things like the Fibonacci sequence and the golden ratio, and when we look at a pine cone or a flower and we see this stuff out in nature, yeah. we realize there probably is some sort of spiritual something there 
but it's certainly not found in any of the dogmatic books of man that have been put out there. And you just mentioned something that's very key, you know, and Aldous Huxley was selling the idea that, uh, you know, the these drugs would be uh, used to make people happy, to make the workers happy. Well, what did you just say? You said people did these things and they felt very positive, et cetera. Mm. Well, this is one of the key things that I've investigated. And, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I had Dr. Barbara Ehrenreich on my show, who is the author of the book Bright Sided, how the relentless promotion of positive thinking has undermined America. And essentially, when you get into positive thinking, positive thinking is a state of fallacious thinking. Okay, and uh, the word fallacy comes from the Latin fallare, to lie. Mm. And people, most people generally think with fallacies in their daily lives. So, um, <clears throat> or lies rather than looking things up and fact checking them. So let's say if I say, you know, Wasson says that uh, this is about the new world order and da 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 on page 162 of this book. Rather than going and actually looking at the book, you attack me and you kill the messenger and you say that I'm being negative and you dismiss the whole thing as crazy, lunatic, conspiracy or whatever. This is a way that they get people to dismiss information, to feel, you know, to think that they're being positive and spiritual to their own detriment. And when you get in and you study the Kabbalah, which a lot of this stuff comes out of, you can see that it's intentionally designed to keep people off balance. If you're positive thinking, you're not balanced thinking. If you're positive thinking, you also have to lie to yourself mm. and judge information that you've never even looked at. Well, how can you judge something as supposedly being negative that you've never looked at? If it affects you positively and it keeps you from getting hurt or injured or, or manipulated in some way, how is that negative? And so, you know, people will kill the messenger and will use all of this fallacious thinking, you know, because, John, you wear pink shirts on, on Thursdays, everything you say, or because you're Irish, you know, everything you say is completely full of you-know-what, mm. and there's not anything valid that could possibly come out of your mouth. This is the kind of mentality that most people think with, you know, and so, you know, I've done mushrooms and I think they were spiritual, but, you know, just because you think they were spiritual doesn't mean that the CIA or MI6 or Louis Jolyon West and, uh, and uh, Ewan Cameron and, and uh, Aldous Huxley and, and, you know, these other eugenicists and MKUltra researchers, that doesn't mean that that's how they think. You know, what they think is that you're just having an, a hallucination and meanwhile, while you're drugged and dumb and not thinking about anything, they're going to fill your head with their own propaganda, tell you that there is no truth, that you might as well not even look, that truth is arbitrary, mm. and they're going to instill their own religion into your mind when you're in that state. So, you know, it's like uh, people who haven't been told, you know, what kind of experience to have uh, if they've never heard of McKenna and things like that tend to have a somewhat different experience. Now, that's not to say, again, that they aren't spiritual quote-unquote type experiences. And my co-author, Joe Atwell, and I, we were at uh, quite difference on uh, this point in, in the article, Manufacturing the Deadhead. And so, you know, in the conclusion of the article, just to make clear so we can avoid the, the uh, hours wasted of uh, thoughtless attacks from people who don't want to read stuff first, um, in the conclusion, we state the authors are in disagreement about the use of mind-altering drugs. One believes that we should not dismiss the potential of these substances as biological tools to open doorways of the mind and possibly spiritual dimensions. But those who consider these substances as only spiritual tools often ignore their dark side and never consider that, can, that they can be easily used as much for control. He recommends that they not be used without a prior thorough study of something such as the trivium method and suggests that, like a knife, which may be used to cut your food and also used to kill, psychedelics can be used to empower 
or control. It is also important for people who use these substances to consider what others think of them who do not use them for spiritual purposes. The other believes that given their their provenance, they should not be taken under any circumstance. We must consider, does the predator think that these substances are tools for spiritual awakening or for the control of others? What the reader may believe is not necessarily the whole truth. And I really like the way you use the term off balance as well continually, because that's essentially what so much of this is. When somebody attacks, whether it's an ad hominem attack or whatever it might be, I'd notice this on a daily basis in my daily life. For example, if I look in the sky and I see uh, chemtrails, for example, and I say to my... Oh, you're a conspiracy <laughs> theorist. You're well, a wacko. Do you, you actually think that the government would do that? I mean, do you go outside and look up or something on the weekends? Don't you have anything better to do with your time? Well, that's exactly it. And that's what I hear on a day- <laughs> daily basis from friends and family and the whole lot. And it's it, it can be a source of frustration. However, once you can sure. kind of disseminate And, and meanwhile, if you can just get them to walk outside and look up, you're like, see up, see those things up there? You know, I had my pilot's license when I was 16, my, my student license. And back then, for the most part, you didn't have contrails that stayed in the air for three hours and then spread out and turned into yeah. great clouds, you know? Absolutely. And I mean, we, we've had a couple of days of heavy spraying here in Ireland. And I've had uh, thrown at me a couple of times... The, the pseudo argument that, well, John, uh, we, we don't want to believe that because it's, uh, it's, it's not comfortable within our existing paradigm and you're sure. being negative. And this, well, you know, is- and, and what's the issue, John, with uh, MKUltra? You know, it's the same thing. Well, if the CIA and MI6 and French intelligence and all did this stuff then, well, that doesn't give us such a fuzzy feeling. And then they'll say, oh, well, you know, it's a good thing that MKUltra was just relegated to these handful of quack doctors and stuff and rogues that were out of control in the 50s and 60s. As long as we put that box around it and ignore that it's still ongoing today, that MKUltra is still active today, folks. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, if we ignore all of that, then we can put on this, this, you know, rosy delusion that the government is there as our friend and all of this stuff. But, you know, this is uh, this requires an extreme ignorance of what government is in the first place. And I know all of the arguments about the ment on government being a suffix. And I've had many a debate with linguists and uh, several of them I've done quite well in uh, holding my own. And uh, if we stand back and look at the word government, gubernare means to steer or control. And mente, if we don't consider it as a suffix like se-ment, and if we consider it as the the suffix like from Middle English ment or mente, mind, then we see, you know, and it, it shows up in other languages too, then we see that government is in and of itself mind control. And the whole idea is for you to give up your autonomy to others who essentially carry you through your extended adolescence because you don't want to stand up and act as a sovereign or as an adult. Mm. And you touch on something in the conclusion as well in the Deadhead article, which is very close to my heart. My, my day job is in dance music or rave music, EDM, as it's called in the US. And you mentioned that um, possibly through rave culture, are the systems that we've talked about of control there, how are they being continued today, possibly through this? And I see. I oh, mean, I don't I, think it's possible. I think it's you know just about a definite. Well, I think you're absolutely right because I see the parallels now in rave culture as it explodes, particularly in the U.S. Um, sure. With and Burning Man and all of this stuff. Burning right? Man, exactly, and all of that. So, and you how- know, and let me just interject right there. What is Burning Man? But something that uh, you know people spend an entire year to get ready for one week, where they go out into the desert and and party and get high. 
but all of that energy is geared toward this 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 collapsible city that at the end of the week is torn down and disappears and it doesn't go to benefit anything in their in their greater lives for the future Exactly. And of course, you have the same, uh, the, the idol or the effigy and you've all this symbolism that's been used for so long in so many different ways of control or methods of control, such as Christianity or such as the hippie movement or the rock movement of the 60s. I look at some of the, the top DJs in the world now and the guys who are really at the forefront of electronic or rave music and the pattern is Gillick the same. Gill. I was a big fan, you know? Yeah, it's, and it's the same guys who are related to A, B, C, or D who have links to A, B, C, or D. And it's the sure. same A, B, C, or D that existed in the 60s. And it's absolutely not accidental. Another thing with the rave culture that I find very interesting is the use of lighting and the use of very fast imagery and screens to, to an extent that hasn't been used in concerts in the past. And I think it has a massive effect and I think it can really influence if somebody is sure. under the influence of psychedelics or whatever kind of sure. substance it might be. Well, well the, the idea is to get uh, the, the brain wavelengths and the beat of the music and the light flashes going on the screen and, uh, you know, to synchronize and to then hypnotize the victim. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the secret society side of this. You've touched on it already, but you've mentioned so many names from Huxley to McKenna to Voss and Dulles. There's so many names in there. And while some of them may not be inextricably linked, there is a pattern and it seems to all be underneath the bedrock of secret society. Okay, well, why don't, we, why don't we hit the ones that are extricably linked first and yeah. then we can let uh, people try to argue over whichever ones they think aren't. So, you know, first off, what we have uh, for, for secret societies is uh, skull and bones. So, you know, we with the foundation of and creation of Time Life magazines, we have... Henry P. Davison, who was a director at uh, J.P. Morgan Bank, he worked with Gordon Wasson there. And uh, he was originally the first like funder and the first director of the company. And then we have Dwight Morrow, who uh, also helped set up uh, the company. And then we get into uh, Britton Hayden. And uh, Britton Hayden, he was, uh, uh, let's see, Skull and Bones, 1920. And uh, so we also, you know, there's C.D. Jackson, who was the head of U.S. Psychological Warfare. He was in there. I'm not sure if he was a part of Skull and Bones or not, though. Mm -hmm. But so we can prove that Skull and Bones was directly involved in the creation and founding of Life magazine. Wasson worked with at least three, four, five different Skull and Bones members, including Averill Harriman and the others I just mentioned. And, uh, you know, there's additional uh, many others that he was working with at the Council on Foreign Relations. <clears throat> and then... Um, so other secret societies will get into uh, the Bohemian Club, and uh, the Bohemian Club is uh, interesting because it's actually the the sister club or the offshoot club of the of the Century Club or the Century Group in uh, the East Coast that is the, the CIA front, and uh, out of uh, the you know the admitted members of the. Bohemian Club are, you know, Grateful Dead members Bob Weir and Mickey Hart. And we also have the famous psychedelic chemist Alexander Shulgin there. And so, like I just said, you know, this is the West Coast, the, the Bohemian Club, Bohemian Grove. All of that is the West Coast sister club of the CIA's Century Club out of, out of New York. So um, <clears throat> we have I already mentioned we had Aldous Huxley and Alan Dulles and Dwight Eisenhower and... Uh, B.H. Freeman and Wasson and all of these guys, even Carlos Castaneda 
went and had uh, lunch with Wass and at the Century Club. So the Century Club is really, you know, uh, the key center for a lot of this stuff going on. That seems that uh, the the Bohemian Club is sort of secondary. And then we can, you know, there's also ties into the um, Council on Foreign Relations, which is sort of a secret club. You know, there's a lot of these guys overlap into the Century Club, etc. So, you know, those would be the primary four secret societies, you could say, you know, aside from, like I mentioned earlier, Zionism being such a key part of this and so many of these, uh, you know, uh, guys happen to have Jewish uh, backgrounds when, you know, they're only 2% of the population. It just doesn't make sense. So it seems that there's some of the, uh, you know, Talmudic uh, racism and chosen ideology uh, at work in, in a lot of this. So essentially, when we look at it with broader, broader strokes, Jan, we're looking at one giant PSYOP, which is controlling not just the population for the sake of control, but actually manipulating people into believing that it's a system of illumination. You can go for the Zionist aspects, so aside from reading the Talmud, you can go right to the Book of Revelation and see half of their crap mapped out right there, you know? That, I suppose, is the foundation, then, of the New Age movement. Oh, well, sure. Where does the, the whole concept of the New Age come from but revelation, right? Absolutely. So if we can draw those lines, which you've just done, to the secret societies, again, it looks like so much of what we're talking about that are linked seemingly inextricably suddenly become extricable links. So you've got the, the history of psychedelics, you've got the New Age movements, I suppose UFOs could possibly come in under that as well. Oh, uh, well, no, we, they absolutely do do. And in fact, um, we've got uh, the UFOs listed in the brain database. In fact, I should bring your listeners' attention to the brain database because the brain database is uh, something that I've been putting together and working on for about five years now, and they can download it if you go to GnosticMedia.com, G-N-O-S-T-I-C Media.com. Mm -hmm. Right on the front page of the uh, website there, you'll see a blue icon called Brain Database, and then you'll see instructions there for you know, how it works, and people need to actually read the instructions there. Don't just open it up and see a bunch of lines and not read the citations and go, well, it was just a bunch of guilt by association and strings that I couldn't understand, like... Uh, you know, like Joe Rogan did. So, um, you know, the, it's important to actually get in there and read the citations and spend more than, you know, 30 seconds or, you know, at least spend a few hours in there getting familiar with it, seeing where the research goes, reading up on the citations, watching the videos and documentaries, et cetera, that are found throughout there. Now, in the brain database, there is, uh, if you go to the search section down on the lower left there for people who downloaded or use the uh, website version up there, um, up there, search something called the fourth world or the battle for the collective mind. And this is really the key thing of all of the different, you know, the multi-pronged attack that they're using on society to sell Agenda 21 and all of this sort of stuff. So, you know, we, you already mentioned the crop circles. We can get into wheat. Nobody should ever eat wheat. W-H-E-A-T, that stuff that grows in the ground that, that the cows eat you know, kind of. Um, wheat is poison, and it's definitely eugenics. And I've done a lot of coverage on wheat on my show, and all those people who are getting obese and sick out there and can't figure out why, cut the wheat out and increase your fat intake mm -hmm. and fire your doctor, and you'll, you'll be a lot better off. Well, I think there's a guy, uh, so William UFOs Davis. So are, are right in there, right with the Council of Nine there. Of course, television, the sexual revolution. I already mentioned quantum physics. We've got psychiatry in there, positive thinking. We already mentioned pornography falls under there. 
professional sports, of course, is going to be into their the pharmaceutical industry, and of course, them putting putting everybody on drugs like fluoride, which is also in the water. Yep, fluoride is also the the key ingredient in Prozac. New Age movement, neo-shamanism, not having an understanding of the informal fallacies is key. Not learning logic and getting people to believe that any sort of Western knowledge or teaching or logic or critical thinking is bad. That is key to getting people you know, to uh, go with this stuff. Don't look over here, folks. Don't check the citations. There's no truth. There's no logic. Might as well not even look. Go back about your dream. Over there. Ooh, hypnotized. Good boy. Go over there. And then another one is uh, Gaia Hypothesis. <clears throat> Just mentioned uh, fluoride in the water. Feminism. And this is impacting the UK tremendously right now. And I recommend everybody out there go out and study Karen of Girl Rights What. I've had her on my show, but she runs a YouTube, YouTube channel called Girl Rights What. And she has completely destroyed the foundations of feminism and revealed the entire thing as a fraud. And then, uh, but that goes in, uh, <clears throat> or continuing on, the entheogenic experience without the trivium and critical thinking. And then you get, of course, the carbon credits and stuff like that. And then the, the December 21st, 2012 movement. And even uh, books like The Course in Miracles were written by CIA MK Ultra contractors. So that's just, you know, and then, the, oh, before I forget, a, a huge one is the compulsory education system is laid out by guys like uh, John Taylor Gatto. Mm, absolutely. And the beauty of the database, of course, is the fact that all this information is at somebody's fingertips. And it's quite easy then, once you approach things with an open mind and are willing to research yourself, to actually draw the lines between seemingly unconnected dots. And right. th- th- that's exactly. The and then there's no need to, you know, write me a name call and say, there's no evidence for this when it was published right there on the website. Absolutely. Just because you're too lazy to read the research doesn't mean it's not there, folks. And it comes back to uh, people always saying that uh, such information is negative, this, that, and the other is negative. Well, and we already covered that. So, you know, instead of using fallacies and lies that you tell yourself, folks, to keep from finding truth and from you know, looking into things and the, the lies that you keep yourself, you know, to keep yourself dumb, you know, be brave to go out and trust yourself, you know, trust your own five senses to just look at the citations yourself and see what they say. And then you'll never have doubt about what the citation actually said. Again, you'll never have to guess again. You'll never have to play make believe about it. You'll never have to lie and tell your friends that you know something that you never fact checked. So what of the future, Jan? I mean, have you, have you a positive outlook on the way things are heading? Do you think people are slowly but surely or even quickly becoming more open to actually examining information themselves? Or, or, or do you think we're <laughs> on hiding to nothing for the next while? Well, you know, it's interesting that you should ask that. I think getting past the, you know, the McKenna and uh, Michael Coe and... Uh, uh, Jesuit Pierre Teilhard de Chardin uh, idiocy from the December 21st, 2012 meme. Now that we're past that, and you know, and that kind of when nothing happened, people kind of went, wow, those guys were all full of, you know what? Yeah. I don't know if it's okay to swear on your show or not. Go for it. <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, with the, you know, 
Oh, shoot. Now I just lost my train of thought there again. That's one of those days. I got too many things going on. But yeah, you know, anyway, I think I got the point across already. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, tell us again about the website and the podcast and how people can find out more because you're, you're massively busy at the moment, Jan. I mean, it's, it's very difficult to even keep up. I don't know how you found enough hours in the day because you're constantly between your own endeavors and other people's endeavors, such <laughs> as mine. You're just constantly on the air. You're constantly on the web and you're constantly getting the information out there. So tell us about, I suppose, the key websites such as Gnostic Media and some other places where sure. people can find out. Well, the GnosticMedia.com is the main website, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-Media.com. And of course, uh, most everything that we do is uh, funded by donations. So your support is essential. And uh, as are, you know, any website sales or getting a membership for the older podcasts, etc. That's essential stuff to help us uh, keep going. But yeah, you know, um, <laughs> in that regard, you're right. I've got like five more interviews booked already this week, and I'm, <laughs> and there's no one in sight. But um, another website is uh, triviumeducation.com, T-R-I-V-I-U-M education.com. And uh, you and I can talk about that more maybe another time. But the Trivium is really the key of how to understand how they run these mind control operations. The Trivium method is, is, is essentially reveals how the classical Trivium is used for mind control. And so we've put out a website exposing all of that. And a lot of people uh, find great interest in, in that. And uh, homeschoolers and parents especially take to that stuff uh, really quickly. I also run the johnallegro.org website uh, with his daughter uh, out of the UK for his uh, books and material and research on that. So people can find out actually what really happened there. And then lastly, I guess the main one, I've shut down a lot of websites lately, but... Uh, the last one I'm still trying to get going and do something with is mindcontrolexposed.com. Okay, well, we'll get all those links up on our website, which is alchemyradio.net. <laughs> and uh, most certainly, we will talk again in the future. You have some fascinating information, and I, I love the way it's presented as well. It's been a huge pleasure having you on Alchemy Radio, Jan. Before you go, I'm going to put you on the spot. I do this with quite a few guests. We always finish with sure. a piece of music. We've spoken about music and uh, where some of the music that we know and a lot of people love comes from on this show. What piece of music would you like to select? Oh, uh, goodness. Put me on the spot, why absolutely. don't you? Absolutely. Um, well, you know, it's so hard to get into so much of the music these days because now I know where so much of it comes from. You know, it's, I couldn't agree more. Maybe you should play uh, Jim Morrison's The End so that, uh, you know, from the doors so that people can actually hear them talk about the Oedipus Complex and talk about this whole, you know, all the children are insane and all of this stuff and the whole dumbing down of society. That that song, The End, is an apocalypse song against, uh, the, you know, all of, this, all of society. And meanwhile, Jim Morrison's own father was killing 60,000-plus people and uh, was responsible for the death of 60-plus thousand American boys in Vietnam, not to mention probably another million Vietnamese. And so the pattern has continued ever since. I have the power, you have the power, we have the power... Jan, it's been fantastic having you on Alchemy Radio. We are going to finish with the doors and the end. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Enjoy the rest of your busy week and your weekend. Thanks a million for joining me. Thanks, John. Alchemy Radio. Alchemy Radio. Alchemy Radio. Alchemy Radio. This is the end. Beautiful friend. This is the end, my only friend, the end of our elaborate plans, the end of everything that stands, the end.
came to a door And he looked inside Father, yes son, I want to kill you Mother I want to Take a chance with us Come on baby Take a chance with us Come on baby Take a chance with us And meet me at the back of the The end of night.